Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1.33 in Edmonton. Huge game tonight in a couple different places. In the North Division, you got the Montreal Canadiens night hosting the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers here at home at Rogers Place against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Meanwhile, over in the uh, EPL, Tottenham with uh, Harry Kane, Gareth Bale and company against Liverpool, who uh, won the Prem last year. Our next guest bore a striking resemblance to former Chelsea star Didier Drogba, who many of you would remember. I think it was 2011, maybe? Uh, won the uh, won the European Championship. George LaRock joins us right now, Edmonton sporting icon. George, how you doing? Awesome, Bob. How's everything? Good. Now, you are a, you were a Didier, a Didier Drogba fan, right? In well, soccer? Actually, I, no, I liked him. But no, I wasn't the biggest fan of him. Back in the days, I was fan of uh, Maradona. That's the guy that I liked the most. So uh, I was pretty affected when he when he passed away. In '86, my dad actually went to the World Cup in Mexico, uh, and he filmed the entire game with with his uh, Delta camera. And I got to see, uh, you know, Maradona really up close. And uh, no, I've always loved uh, Diego and stuff. And uh, you know, I, I I got to know the, uh, Drogba when he came to play for the Impact in Montreal. But uh, I didn't know much about him when he uh, when he played Fabry Coast. And I know he stopped the war uh, he, uh, because, you know, he got the, the people to stop fighting while they were playing. But, yeah. you know, what he did was unreal in history and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I forgot that you uh, you love soccer. I, I just heard you talking about Tottenham and, and Harry Kane and stuff. So, yeah, I, I watch a lot of European football. And right now Mbappe is my favorite player, even though I don't like PSG because uh, – I think that league is a joke because there's only one team that is spending money. So winning that championship is easy, but they choke every year for the, you know, for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll see what they're going to do this year, especially if Messi joins that team because that's the big rumor that Messi might go there. Well, they, you know, as a rule of thumb, George, uh, when a European soccer club, we got a little bit of feedback, George, on your line, just an FYI. When, when a, okay. when a, when a, yeah, when a European team, do you have us on speaker right now, George? No, no, am I, uh, it's going to be good now. I wasn't at that area. No, I'm stopped. So all all right. There we go. Uh, when a European team is owned by money from the Middle East, they tend to be better than everybody else because they're spending, and you know who fully well who owns PSG. So it would not be a surprise yeah. that that might be the team that might be able to get uh, uh, Lionel Messi. Some people think he might end up in Manchester City uh, with his. You, you, you know why you'll never go to Manchester City? Why is that? Because because he's an older player and his, the the English league is very physical, and I don't see him going there. It's too hard on his body. So yeah. you know France is going to be light. You know, it, it kind of like Spain. It kind of looks the same. So it's not going to be as hard for him physically. But man, if he was to go in Germany or 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 man England, man, forget it. 
his body would be beat up. There's no way. Yeah, I you know what, George? I like uh, I've, I've become a huge European football fan over about the last fifteen to twenty years. You know I, I love NCAA college football and NFL, NFL as well. And we'll get to NFL in a second. I never knew all these years that your dad went to the 86 World Cup. You're like, we've done hundreds of interviews with you, George. You've never met. That's that's a cool story. So how close? Like, did he get tight shots on uh, Maradona during the course of that 86 World Cup? Man, even when Maradona didn't have the ball, he would film him. Like, it, it, the, the camera was on him. And it was unreal. And I couldn't wait because, you know, obviously I watched all the game as a kid. But when he got back, you see all those footage that he had, it was unreal. And it's funny because I think we were the only guys in the city that had a better camera. So none of my friends could see us because it's a, it's a better cam. Who has a better camcorder? Like, who has that? Oh, a beta camcorder. Had, yes. Yes. Beta, yeah, because everybody had DHS, right? So... So when I went to my friends, I couldn't even they couldn't even watch the tape because of it because the parents didn't have beta. But uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. But still, to this day, we still have it. But to watch it, I should actually convert it from the beta to a to a disc or something else so I could show people and stuff because it's incredible. Oh man, I mean, he was just on. And the funny thing is, is you know, he sort of left the '82 World Cup in disgrace. They were playing, uh, they were playing Brazil, and he ended up getting red carded out of the tournament. Uh, he was yeah. not, he was not on the '78 Argentina team, which won in their home country. They were going through a military coup d'état at that time, and Johan Cruyff and. Uh, did not go from Holland at that time. A lot of people, George, thought Johan Cruyff was the best player in the world. Maradona was only 17. Kempes was the big star of that Argentina team in 78. They they were they crashed out of 82 with Brazil. Those two teams were great. Gene Principe was stoked because Italy won in 82 with uh, Paulo Rossi, but then Argentina in 1986. So there you go. He was an awesome, awesome player. Right up there with Russell Wilson for you, or what? <laughs> you know, well, you know, when you talk about Russell Wilson right now, it kind of hurts my feelings a bit because I can't believe we lost to the Rams against Goff that is terrible and didn't have his palm. Like, the guy got, he got surgery the week before. He's not even supposed to play. The backup is playing. Uh, uh, Jamal Adams knocks him out. And then the guy that just got operated is not supposed to play comes back and... Not just that we lose to him, but the Rams, they lose Aaron Donald for the whole second half, and we still lose. You know, Russell Wilson picked, uh, you know, the worst day to have his worst game in his career, and it was an embarrassing loss to the Rams. But anyway, even though we lost, I don't think we're to beat the Packers after. Uh, were you surprised that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay beat the Packers? Tampa Bay's had a, they've been they got a good defense, and as a rule of thumb, George, in any sport, if you can defend, doesn't matter if we're talking football, European soccer, uh, NFL, college football, hockey. If you got good defense, you can often win on the road. And Tampa Bay's been lights out in the road all season long in the NFL. You know, it's because of the defense that they they want actually. The reason why Tampa wants against the Saints is because Drew Brees said, you know what, Brady, I don't want to win, so I'm going to give you the ball three times. So he did that. Brady said, thank you. He beat them. When the, uh, the, they, when they played the, the, uh, the Packers, Brady was like, uh, you know what, Rodgers, you're going to be the MVP of the league. I'm going to give you the ball three times to make the game tight, really close, so it's entertaining. Because my defense is so good that we're going to stop you anyway. So what he does, 
You know what? His third interception, it was so, so flagrant, like a big balloon that even you, Bob, out of shape, you would have intercepted it. <laughs> it was unreal. He's like, here, guys, take the ball again. And what does Lafleur do? Fourth, fourth down, he goes for a field goal. Are you kidding me? Other than going for it, when you have Rodgers as a QB, you're going for placement to give the ball away. That, that was a bad call. And it's funny because, you know, Rodgers even said that if he would have known that his uh, coach didn't go for it, his, his first three down, he would have did, done something different. But, yeah. but still, you know, it's, I can't believe that Brady made it to the Super Bowl. In a 20-year, 21-year career, he went there 10 times. That's every second year. It's yeah. unbelievable. Brady has been featured in 18% of all Super Bowl. Even though he's not my favorite, we have to admit that in football is the goat of the goat. And uh, again, I think, you know, I think the Chiefs is going to win it. But again, I thought so too against the Saints. I thought so too against Green Bay. So, you know, there's something so magical with Brady. And, you know, there's no team that has, that's ever played in his own stadium in Super Bowl. Ever. It never happened. But, of course, with Brady, it has to be the first to happen. With Brady, it has to be the first that his coach, Arian, is going to be the oldest coach to play in the Super Bowl. With Brady, the oldest player to play in the Super Bowl. So there's an aura around him that makes it so not so much surprising if they were to win because everything he does is remarkable. All right. Uh, so we're going to. So you talk about him being the goat. Today is the anniversary, George. Back in 1984, it was a hard day for Wayne Gretzky. You're going to laugh. His 51-game point scoring streak came to an end today. From the start of the regular season, he got points in 51 straight games. George, he had 153 points in 51 games. That is three points per game. <laughs> it came to an end. He then was out. As I recall, I thought it was an upper body injury, possibly a shoulder injury. He missed the next two weeks. Then he came back, and he ended up playing uh, another... Uh, 21 games that season, George, and he got uh, uh, points in 21 of the 22 games that he played to, to finish the year. When we talk about GOAT, in your opinion, is Wayne Gretzky the GOAT in NHL history? If there's ever anyone that says they know hockey and they don't say that he's the GOAT, they shouldn't be talking about hockey ever again. Because there's no debate in terms of who the GOAT in, obviously in NHL history is in terms of everything that he's done and all the record that he's had. You know, he has more points, more pass than everybody has, like, points in a second overall in the NHL. And the thing that is crazy about that is everybody always talk about the fact that, you know, Wayne is known as a passer. Well, are you sure how many goals he has? Like, <laughs> my God, people that say that, whoever came close to that. People say Brett Hall was the goal scorer. Gretzky got 92 goals, Brett Hall went to 86. You know, he was a goal scorer too, but it's just that he has so many passes that people say that he's a setup man, but he was everything. It's unreal what he's done. And actually, just to make you guys laugh, it's 51-game uh, point streak. I have, I have 55 goals in my career in the NHL. His point streak is almost more than my amount of goals I had in 15 years in the NHL. So that's mostly embarrassing for me, I know, but, but still... Everything that Wayne has done, not just on the ice, but the reason why everybody's making money today in the NHL is because of 
how great of an ambassador Wayne has been for all of us. You know, when, when everybody talks about, you know, you need to have a good agent, you have a contract, this and that, Wayne was everybody's agent in NHL because he brought, when he went to L.A. and, and everything that he's done in the NHL brought so much it, it publicity to the late to the NHL with the revenue and everything, that that's when everybody started making the big bucks. So and we owe a lot to him, not just for his record, but for his persona, how he was, because, you know, like, I could just imagine what it's like to be him and to be in demand all the time and to be so generous to people all the time, to do interviews with people all the time. People always want a piece of you all the time. They want a picture with you all the time. Everywhere you go, everything you do. And he's been living like this since he's 17 years old. And to be as generous that he is, to be as patient that he is, and to, to also, even though he's retired and he doesn't need, doesn't need any money, to just accept to come back to Edmonton and to be the Oilers ambassador when he could be living in California where his house is, enjoying the sun and everything, and he goes in a winter cold in Edmonton to watch every game, to watch Connor McDavid, to cheer him on and stuff, shows you a great ambassador that he is, how much he loves Edmonton, and how much he loves the city. Awesome stuff. We're joined by George LaRock, Edmonton sporting icon, Montreal-based personality. Let's take a look at the North Division. George, the Montreal Canadiens, 4-0-2 to start the year. They get the Calgary Flames tonight. You saw what happened with Matthew Kachuk against the Maple Leafs, where he accidentally, on purpose, uh, you know, dropped the knee on Jack Campbell. Let's make no mistake, George. Matthew Kachuk, I think, is the Calgary Flames' best player. He has supplanted uh, Mark Giordano as the, the most impactful player for the uh, the Flames. If that happens against the Montreal Canadiens, a team that's got the likes of Shea Weber and Joel Edmondson and Josh Anderson on their team, what do you think happens? Actually, they, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Bob, that those guys, they're actually expecting that from him. You know, the Flames lost two games in a row, and uh, and actually, the, the Reddish is going to be on against Perry Price uh, today. And uh, the, the Montreal know that they're going to come out really hard. Montreal, because of the layoff for a couple of days now, the Flames' first 10 minutes is going to be like they're going to apply a lot of pressure. And yep. Montreal know they have to weather the storm right up the of the game. But, but after that, I think they should be okay. But there's one thing for sure is that, you know, the guys in Montreal are expecting, um, they're expecting firework from Kachuk when the team is losing like this. And they're expecting a physical game. But Montreal is equipped for it now. So, and, and, you know, you've been talking about Edmondson and talking about Weber, but uh, I wouldn't even be surprised to see Anderson mixing it up with him and stuff and uh, calling him down because, uh, you know, Montreal has a big team. And their the D-card, the average weight is 216, so they'll be waiting for Kachuk and there'll be people all over him if, he, uh, if he's going to use some antics. But, you know, the player that I can't wait to see tonight is Luchik. Lucha could have a big impact on this game with his physical play and, and in, in, in terms of you know going down and, and pounding the Montreal D's and stuff and going to the net. So I can't wait to see the game he's going to have with, with a team that actually needs to go, to go back on a winning streak and stuff. But, you know, Montreal has so much depth at forward. You look at their four lines that they have and their defenseman court, but especially the goalie. What separates really Montreal from all the rest of the team is the goalies. Two goalies that they have. And that makes a difference. And on a schedule where you play, you know, 56 games in 100 days, uh, your number one goalie and your backup is the most important position because, you know, the goalies, they don't have time to practice much. They don't have time to rest much. And, you know, like what you get is what you get. And that's it. So 
because of like the best. Do you agree, Bob? That the best tandem in the NHL is from Montreal and Vegas. I'm st- I'm starting to think, George. Not only does Montreal have the best goaltending tandem. Uh, I also, th- you know, Vegas has got a very good tandem as well. I think Montreal's got the best defense. Yeah. I- I'm serious. Yeah. I think the Canadians, like I, you know, Romanov can really skate. He's an aggressive guy. He hits. He's in their third pairing. That top four is huge, and yeah. bo- they can box smaller skilled teams out. I think the Canadians might have. Uh, they certainly have the best combination for me. Of, of uh, they're not the best team at, at center. Like they got a couple younger centers. Suzuki's going to be really good. Uh, Deneau's a good two-way guy. But Montreal, for me, has got the best defense in the league, and they got one of the top two goaltending tandems. George, hey, Bob, question for you. Honest question for you. What would the Oilers give right now to have Petrie back? Oh man. <laughs> That was a gift, man. That second rounder for him. A second, like, a, 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 a second and a fourth. The fourth turned out to be Caleb Jones. By the way, yeah. uh, I'm not. Sh- I, I gotta. I'd have to take a look at the second. You know what, Jack? Jack and myself, uh, Michaels. We had a lot of time for Jeff Petrie. We could. I've, I've had this conversation with Eric Ingles. We could see that it was a matter. I don't like trading defensemen at like the 250, 300 game mark. You put the time in while I go through the growing pains. Petrie's a heck of a defenseman now, George. Listen, Petrie. Not just the fact that he's averaging more than a point a game, and he's plus nine. Uh, not just that, but the fact that Petrie right now, if he's going on the space, we could easily see him being one of the three candidates for the North. Because I have news for you. We've seen all the teams in the North Division. Yeah. We've seen them all. Like, they're playing Calgary. But, you know, with the pace that Montreal is going right now, with all the goals that are scoring, and I'll be honest with you, Bob, if they played all the teams in the NHL, maybe their, their five goals a game wouldn't be the same. But the bad goaltending that Montreal is playing against is, like, helping them big time. Because this is, right now, this year, this year, this is this big story for many teams, is the goalie. More than ever, like, just like in the NFL, the big story is going to be the QB this year, where everybody's going to go. And yeah. now in the NHL this year, teams are realizing more than ever that they need a number one goalie. And you look at Ottawa. You know, and we've talked enough about. What did you say? Games. What did you What did you say about Matt Murray? Hey, did I tell you? I hope Edmonton don't touch him. That he was done because you told me that Edmonton they were actually looking for him and stuff. And I'm like, man, do don't touch that guy. And look at the big contract they give him. Otherwise, they did all the right decisions. You go get a guy that can't even stop a beach ball. And it's not his fault. All the stuff that happened in his career and maybe his dad and everything, in Pittsburgh, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything anymore, and, and, and he was done. And they had to let him go. And by the way, talking about Pittsburgh, what do you think about the fact that Rutherford is leaving the team? Why he left the team? Because, and you're going to like this one, Bob, Rutherford obviously won two cups with Pittsburgh and stuff, right? And he's well-respected. Yep. He didn't leave the team because he, 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 he was sick or anything. He even said that he's not closing down open doors to come back and to work again. So why and did he leave because, the team? Uh, apparently, one of the one of the guys that well-respected uh, the journalist in Pittsburgh said that he, uh, he was concocting a trade this year for Chris Latin uh, yep. to trade him in and stuff. And the owners, they blocked him. They said no. And because of that, 
You know, a GM like that with Rutherford, that, that, that's Tim Snow, and that have tons of experience, if you hire a GM to do the job and you block him, if you're an owner, decide yourself. You want to be a GM and an owner. So he didn't like it. He didn't like the fact that people were telling him what to do. Why is he having this job if they block him in terms of what to do? Yes. So that's why he quit, that's why he quit and that's why he left. George, uh, yeah, and I've heard a report the other way on that as well. Somebody saying, no, Rutherford had reached out and said, take Latang off the trade list. He's not. So we'll see. But I saw your report as well. George, great stuff. Thanks for joining us, my man, okay? Awesome, brother. And hopefully the oil wins it tonight. There you go. Edmonton sporting icon, George LaRock, 153 in Edmonton. Want to mention Royal Pizza. Pizza passes so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. You can go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stop for recommendation. Mediterranean chicken. I don't know if Brendan Escott's going to be going with the Texan, any, Texan anymore because it sounds like the Texans are 100% going to lose their QB, Deshaun Watson. He has requested a trade. Off to this Dean Oilers history. It is brought to you daily by Dennis and Jason Laliberti, the team at New West Travel. Here's Brennan Escott. I will. I will stand by those Texans. Will you? <laughs> For better or worse, Bob, I'm sticking it out. I understand Deshaun's perspective. It is what it is. Uh, 1984, Los Angeles Kings goaltender Marcus Matson leads the Kings to a 4-2 win at Edmonton and, yes, stopped Wayne Gretzky's NHL record point-scoring streak at 51 games. Gretzky had scored 61 goals, 92 assists for 153 points in 51 contests. And Wayne missed a couple weeks. The Oilers got pounded 11-0 in Hartford during that stretch. Wayne came back at points in all but one game. So during the course of that season in 83-84, he only didn't pick up points in two games all year. Tomorrow on Oilers Now, we will have for the River Cree Resort and Casino, Elliot Friedman. Edmonton Oil Kings General Manager Kurt Hill will join us. We'll talk to Sportsnet spec Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta, the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry. Tonight, Oilers and Leafs puck drop at 8. Face-off show begins at 6 with Reed Wilkins, Cam Moon, Rob Brown, Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer, a cast of thousands. Up next... After a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson, it'll be 6.30 Chet Afternoons. Surveys finding, uh, survey findings from Angus Reid Institute show that Albertans want the federal government to continue fighting for Keystone XL, but the grand majority of the Canadians say it's time to move on. Uh, what should the next steps be, and what provinces are home to the people most likely to be celebrating President Biden's veto? Jalen Nye has this and more coming up at 2 o'clock. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.